2526 congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ the text before us tonight speaks about Moses about his faith and the decision that he made when he was come to years Moses as we read in Exodus uh, chapter 2 Moses was born in Egypt to God-fearing Israelite parents 400 years earlier Joseph brought his family down from Canaan into the land of Goshen, and there his brothers thrived. There they grew and multiplied until after many years, the Israelites became a great people, and exactly because they were a great people, they were viewed as a threat by Pharaoh, and in the course of time, the Pharaoh made them slaves And in order to prevent the growth of the Israelites, this from Exodus chapter 1, Pharaoh commanded all of the newborn babies to be thrown into the river. Moses' parents did not do that. Instead, they made a basket, placed the baby Moses in the basket, and set it along the bank of the river. Pharaoh's daughter was washing herself. One of the maidens spied the baby and... She opened it, and there was a little Hebrew boy inside. And for the space of a few years at least, Pharaoh's daughter had Moses nursed by his own mother. And after that, Moses was sent to the palace where he grew up and where he was trained in all of the learning and all of the wisdom of the Egyptians. But now he was come of years. Forty years old, he is finished with his learning, finished with all of his instruction, and now he has to make up his mind. Now he has to make the choice. For some 35 years at least, he was instructed and lived as an Egyptian, but the time has come that he must cast his lot. Moses must make a choice. And his choice, what we learn from Hebrews chapter 11, his choice was to suffer with the people of God. And from an earthly point of view, one might say, well, Moses, that's a foolish choice. Because after all, it's one thing to suffer when you have no choice. The circumstances of one's life are of such a nature that there's nothing you can do about it and one must suffer. But but what's different in the case with Moses is that Moses had a choice. And he carefully weighed the two choices before him and he chose to suffer. He did not make his choice according to the wisdom of the world, but his choice was made according to the wisdom of faith, as we read in Hebrews 11, by faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God. And beloved, this is a decision, this is a choice that we all have to make. And let it be said here that no, our choice is not something that takes place apart from God's grace, as if our choice and our choosing merits something with God. 
or even becomes the basis by which God then chooses us, nothing of that sort. But nonetheless, Scripture uses this language, and Scripture teaches us that we must make a choice. This is what Scripture says. Book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, where Joshua says to the Israelites, Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Not altogether different than the choice that Moses had to make. Joshua says, choose you this day whom ye will serve. That's what Moses did. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. And for the young men who've made confession of faith tonight, this is the choice that you have made Holy Spirit working in you, you have chosen to reject the things of this world and to cast your lot with the people of God. And this is something that we all must do, not simply at the occasion of confession of faith when we make it very obvious and and public that we choose to serve God, but this is something that takes place every day of our lives, which means that every day of our lives we are examining our, our hearts and our lives, rooting out and being disgusted with all that love for Egypt and all that, 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 right, that self-righteousness and all of that pride, doing away with that, rejecting that, and choosing the people of God, choosing the Lord Jesus Christ and embracing him alone, showing that we are not the sons and daughters of Egypt, that we are not the sons and daughters of this world, but that we are the sons and daughters of the living God. I call your attention to this text, Hebrews 11, 24 through 26, choosing to suffer with God's people. Let's look first at the two choices before Moses. Secondly, at the compelling reason, the reason for his answer, and finally, the great reward, choosing to suffer with God's people. When Moses was come of years, he arrived at that point where he must make a choice. He couldn't wait any longer. And according to the text, there were two choices before him. Verse 24, Hebrews 11, his first choice was this, being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses had that choice before him. Well, what does that involve, being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Well, being the son of Pharaoh's daughter would mean a very prestigious position. It meant power. It meant glory. It meant Honor before all men. Ever since Moses was a boy, he was trained in the best institutions of learning. In all the land of Egypt, the Egyptians were known for their wisdom throughout all the world. And Moses sat at the feet of these great Egyptian teachers. Overall, he received a very thorough formal education And Moses not only received that instruction well, but he used it and he applied it. And we know that because in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 7, 
when the first deacon, Stephen, was making his defense before the council, before he was stoned, recounting the history of Israel in Acts 7, verse 22, the word of God says that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and in deeds. And so being called, therefore, the son of Pharaoh's daughter meant, well, it meant that he would be a prince, that he would be a nobleman. He was a gifted leader, and his fellow Egyptians would honor him and hold him in high regard, and he would be somebody in this world. Furthermore, being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter meant a relatively easy and carefree life. He would have the best food. He would live in the palace. He would live a life of luxury. Uh, nobody telling him what to do. He would be the one in charge. He would be the one telling other people he could accomplish his will and, and his desires without anybody telling him no. And you recognize that this is what many people of this world, uh, what they regard as important and what they desire. It's the kind of thinking that if only I had enough, then, then I would be set for life. Well, Moses, if he would be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he would be set for life. That was the first choice before him, to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and to be somebody in the land of Egypt. His second choice we know this from Hebrews 11, according to verse 25, was to suffer affliction with the people of God. Now Moses was not ignorant of his fellow brethren. He knew about the people of God, his fellow Hebrews. He knew about their God because thankfully in the providence of God, Moses was nursed and raised by his own father and mother for for at least the first five, six, seven years of his life, and during that time his parents taught him the truth, taught him the truth that God established his covenant with our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that the Israelites would one day be a, be a mighty people under, uh, under God. They taught Moses about the promises that God promised to deliver them out of the land of bondage and one day to give them the promised land, the land of Canaan. And Moses, as he grows up in the palace, he also knows about the suffering of the Israelites. He heard the story of how so many other baby boys lost their life at around the same time he was born. And... Mo uh, Moses heard Pharaoh speak of those Hebrews, speaking of them with hatred and with fear. And all Moses had to do was, was look around him and to behold all of the suffering of the Israelites. And that suffering was great. The Israelites were under hard bondage, whereby they had to serve with rigor and many Israelites would have died under that hard bondage. 
But those were the two choices before Moses. To be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and everything that involved, or to suffer affliction with God's people. And this is what Moses did, verses 24 and 25. Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. To put it very simply, Moses said no to Egypt and everything that involved, and he said yes to the people of God and everything that that involved. But first, Moses said no to Egypt. He rejected that. He said, I don't want that. I do away with that. And Moses rejected that, not because he was sick of the rich life, not because there was so much responsibility being a prince in Egypt and he just couldn't handle it, not even because he was an Israelite and there were other Israelites, and wouldn't it be nice if I could just be around some of my own people for once? That's not the reason why Moses rejected Egypt. But Moses said no because he did not want to enjoy those temporary pleasures of sin. That's verse 25. Moses knew that his staying in Egypt would be the equivalent of indulging in the pleasures of sin. But rather Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. And that's a very important word that the Bible uses there. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. And that tells us many things in the first place. This tells us that on the part of Moses, this was a deliberate decision that he made. This was not a hasty decision. Not something that he just made on the spur of the moment. Not really knowing what he was getting into. But Moses had settled in his mind which way he would go. It came to a point in his life where he could not go on living the way that he was. Not that he was actively engaged in a sinful life, but he understood that if he would have chose for Egypt at this critical juncture in his life, if he would have chosen for Egypt, that would have been the death of him. And now is the time for him to make his decision. And it was a deliberate decision. Furthermore, this word choosing tells us that this is what Moses preferred. This is what he wanted. This is what he desired in his heart. It indicates that he thought about the treasures of Egypt... He knew what type of a life was in store for him if he would have chose to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And then he thought about suffering with God's people and everything that involved. And Moses settled on this. I choose to suffer with God's people. This is what I desire. This is what I prefer. 
over and above the treasures of Egypt. And then finally, this choosing of Moses was also a very a public choice and a, and a public decision. And maybe that wasn't the intent of Moses right away, but it became public, especially with the history that we read in Exodus chapter 2, when he went to inspect the labor of his fellow Israelites, and there he saw an Israelite being beaten by an Egyptian taskmaster, and Moses slew that Egyptian. That was Moses making his public declaration for all of Egypt to hear that he was not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose to identify himself with the people of God and thus to suffer with them. And those are the two choices before us as well. And let's be aware of this, that there's no middle ground. There's no having one foot enjoying the pleasures of Egypt and the other foot suffering Affliction with the people of God and straddling the two, we are either for God or against him. That's what Jesus himself says. He that is not with me is against me. But this tells us that the life of the child of God is an antithetical life. A life whereby we refuse sin and turn away from that sin And that, on the contrary, we choose the good. So, congregation, which one will it be? The enjoyment of sin for a season? Or suffering with the people of God? And don't suppose that you can make no decision, that you can be neutral on the matter. That's impossible. That's foolishness. Because when one does not choose God, he is, in effect, casting in his lot with Egypt and of sin. And so, beloved, it's our calling, as we examine this history in Hebrews 11, it's our calling also to reject Egypt. Egypt is a picture of everything that this world has to offer. Egypt is a picture of all of the pleasures of sin, indulging in all of the sins and all of the vices that we love No check on our behavior. No rules governing our lives. It's like traveling on a a broad highway with, with no rules, no speed limit. Go as fast as you want. Travel in any lane that you want. Anything and everything that you want is before you. But keep in mind, too, that Egypt is a picture of the bondage of sin. Even as you consider the Israelites... As there they labor under the heavy taskmaster of the Egyptians, and that's not a little bondage, not a little hurt, but terrible bondage and terrible hurt, a bondage which, if not removed, results in the death and the destruction of those under that bondage. And so we reject Egypt. We reject the money and the The wealth of this world, if it means sinning against God, we reject the ungodly entertainment. 
We reject the ungodly music of this world. We reject anything and everything that could be included in this category, the pleasures of sin. But then it's not only that we reject Egypt, but it's our calling to choose the good, namely to choose to suffer affliction with the people of God. That's what the Bible says. What does that mean when we choose to suffer affliction with the people of God? Well, it means in the first place that you and I identify ourselves with the people of God. That's who we want to be around. That's how we identify ourselves. That's how we know ourselves with God's people, especially with God's people here in church, where one of the peculiar ways of God's people is that they come together to worship their one and only God. In the second place, when we identify ourselves with the people of God, we are also choosing that affliction, that affliction that comes with being the children of God. And now we understand that we don't suffer like the Israelites did years ago, abused and beaten by the taskmasters, although there are some of God's people in this world who do suffer that kind of persecution. But we do suffer. And how do we suffer? Well, we we suffer not simply for the sake of suffering. There are some very twisted people in this world who enjoy suffering simply for the sake of suffering and think that that somehow is righteous. But we suffer for the sake of our discipleship of Jesus Christ so that you confess what God's people have always confessed, that God is sovereign, that God has all authority, the authority to elect and to reprobate. You confess that, you're not going to be very popular in this world. You confess that you believe in the scriptures, and that you believe in the historicity of Genesis 1 and 2 in the opening chapters of Genesis, that God created all things in the beginning, and that the world is not millions and millions of years old. You believe what the Bible says about that. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be ridiculed. You confess what the people of God have always confessed, that Christ died only for his sheep that we are not saved by our works, but only by the grace and mercy of God, people are going to think you're crazy. And so, yes, the people of God do suffer. And this suffering will become more and more physical as we approach the end times Scripture reveals that to us, that as we get closer and closer to the end, the ungodly world will hate the people of God, and that great persecution will break out. Jesus makes that evident in in Matthew chapter 4, speaking of the great tribulation, that there will be a kind of persecution such as was not since the beginning of the world. And so the people of God do suffer. The people of God will suffer. And you, young men who've made confession of faith, you've confessed 
that I refuse to be called the sons of Egypt. And I cast my lot with the people of God. I choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. And you've made that choice now in your life, but it's a decision that you're going to have to make every single day. Confession of faith isn't the end. Confession of faith, as it were, is, is the beginning of a new and godly life, choosing every single day to cast my lot with the people of God. And that's something that we all must do every day, rejecting Egypt and saying yes to identifying ourselves with the people of God. But now we ask the question, why? Why would Moses do such a thing? Why would Moses make that deliberate decision to cast his lot with the people of God? What is the reason? The Bible tells us the reason. Verse 26, Hebrews 11, tells us why. Because Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. There's a lot going on in that short phrase. But Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ, a reproach is an insult. A reproach is an abuse of one's name. Most often it takes the form of of lying and backbiting when that happens against a person. When a man is reproached, someone wants him to be viewed as a man of disrepute and to be held in low honor, the result being that that man is shamed, that man is disgraced, That man is cast out and thought of as a nobody. The reproach of Christ. The reproach of Christ means that this reproach is what happened to Jesus. This is the kind of reproach that was heaped upon our Lord and Savior. All this contempt, all this scorn, all this ridicule. The reproach of Christ. He was the object of hatred. He was the son of God. And the Jews hated him for that. That he called himself the son of God. They claimed that he was an evildoer. Living in the company of sinners. And because he said that he was the son of God. Making himself equal with God. They brought him to the cross. They mocked his kingship. They condemned him as a common criminal. And even... Suffering there on the cross, they continued to rail against him that if he were the Son of God, then let him come down and let the Father receive him. This is the reproach that fell upon Christ, a man of suffering, a man of poverty. Moses, already in the Old Testament, Moses was able to see his Savior by faith. Moses was able to see that reproach. And Moses said, that's what I want. I want that reproach, that reproach of Jesus Christ. Now, to be sure, 
Moses was also after great riches because the text says that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches. Moses was after great riches. That's not something wrong in and of itself. You and I may seek after riches. Oh, we may. We may desire riches, but it better be the right kind of riches, not earthly riches. Look at all the treasures of Egypt that Moses had before him. All that gold, all that silver, a life of luxury, anything and everything to satisfy the flesh. But Moses knew that they were all earthly riches. They would all fade away. Moses didn't want those riches. Greater are the riches of bearing the reproach of Christ. That is a rich man. That man, that woman, that child who bears the reproach of Christ. Seek after those riches. Bearing the reproach of Christ means that you and I are the disciples of Jesus Christ. Following in his footsteps, bearing the reproach of his name, listening to his words, that we counted all joy, even as the apostles did when We suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ and our discipleship of him. That's a rich man, a spiritually rich man. And then there are those spiritual riches for you and me for whom Jesus Christ died, bearing the reproach of Christ. Don't think of that person as poor but very rich, rich with all the blessings of salvation. Forgiveness of sins, the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, the knowledge that all things work together for good to those who, are, who love God and are called according to his purpose, the blessed knowledge that we are the sons and daughters of God and that he will take us to be with him in heaven. Those are spiritual blessings. Those are greater riches that money can buy, and they are ours in the way of our bearing the reproach of Christ. And the amazing thing is is that many hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ was even born, Moses esteems the suffering of Israel to be the reproach of of Christ. Moses chose to suffer with the people of God not because he felt sorry for those poor afflicted souls but because Moses had his eye on the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And beloved, if Moses, who lived in the days of types and shadows, even before a lot of those types and shadows were even given as of yet, But if Moses, who lived in the days of types and shadows, esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, how much more ought not we, we who live in the New Testament, who know that all of those types, all of those shadows point very clearly to the Lord Jesus Christ, we in the New Testament who have beheld the Lord Jesus Christ and have seen his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. And this reproach of Christ 
which Moses esteemed to be great riches, and thereby willing to suffer with God's people, Moses made this decision by faith. That's evident from Hebrews 11, throughout the entire chapter, by faith, by faith, by faith, Moses rejected Egypt. By faith, Moses chose the reproach of Christ. Let's have a right understanding of what faith is. This is something that we considered last Sunday morning, what faith is from Lord's Day 7. Faith is not blind leap into the dark. Faith is not simply hoping that if I make this or that particular decision, well, that, that things will hopefully turn out right. But, but in the end, I, I, I really don't know. I, I really hope so. Is that the kind of faith that Moses had? Choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God and hoping that this was the right thing to do? Unsure of himself, but he was willing to take the chance? Of course not. That's not faith. That's doubt. Faith is confidence. Faith is knowledge. Faith, by faith, Moses knew that the treasures of Egypt could not compare with the substance of his hope. By faith, Moses was absolutely confident that his hope would be realized. By faith, Moses took hold of Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. By faith, Moses knew that the Savior would come. By faith, Moses was confident that he would be delivered, that his sins would be washed away in the work of the coming Messiah. By faith, Moses knew that in giving up the treasures of Egypt and being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that he would be gaining all the riches, and the treasures of the kingdom of heaven. The only explanation, the only explanation for why Moses did what he did to choose to suffer affliction with the people of God is faith. Because that's what faith always does. Faith is, unites us to the Lord Jesus Christ and faith chooses the reproach of Christ. And the same is true for us. By faith, we reject the pleasures of sin. By faith, we choose the reproach of Christ. By faith, we reject all that is sinful, all that is wicked. By faith, we put away the songs of this world. By faith, we sing the psalms of Jehovah God. By faith, we do all those things. By faith, we live. Day after day after day, by faith we believe the promises. By faith we embrace our Lord and Savior knowing that his sacrifice is the one and only sacrifice that has washed away my sins. And we know and we are confident, we know by the testimony of the Spirit in our hearts that that reproach of Christ is what makes me rich so much richer than even all those treasures of Egypt. And in making this decision by faith, we become the recipients of the great reward. And that finally, this evening, verse 26 of Hebrews 11, 
For he, Moses, had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Literally, this reads that he was keeping his eye on the reward. He was paying attention with a view to the reward. And all of which means that Moses, in the course of his decision-making, was looking ahead in the future for that which awaited him. Well, what is this reward that Moses had his eye on? Well, it was a reward that we receive even now in this life. The reward is that of covenant fellowship with God. The reward of knowing that Jesus died for me. His righteousness is imputed to me and that I am right before God. I know that I am a son. I know that I am a daughter of God. That's what Moses had his eye on. A reward also that we will enjoy at the end of our earthly sojourn, which will be the reward of eternal life. The reward is that once we die, our souls go to heaven, and then we will enjoy fully and completely all the treasures of salvation and all and, and being in the presence of our Savior, seeing God in the face of Jesus Christ. The reward is that God will preserve me and bring me to heavenly glory that I may serve God and my Savior forever and ever, world without end. What a reward is ours. A reward that is merited a reward that is earned, but not merited by us. Not earned by us, but by the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. A reward also that will last forever. And here's where the contrast between what God has in store for us and what the pleasures of this world offer the pleasures of sin, how long do they last? Only for a season. And Moses saw those pleasures of sin. And not only did Moses say, I don't want those temporary pleasures. But Moses said, and I, I see where those temporary pleasures lead a person. Because once that temporary pleasure vanishes, nothing but despair. And hopelessness settles in. And the end is destruction and misery. And Moses said, I don't want that. Moses said, I want that reward that will last forever. Give me covenant fellowship with God. Give me the Lord Jesus Christ. Give me the joys of heaven. No more tears, no more sorrow everlasting righteousness and the everlasting kingdom of God. What a great reward. And so people of God, go forth in this week. And all that you do and all of the duties that God has given you to do and do it with your eye on the reward. Whether you are a student, father in the home, a mother whether you are out getting groceries, running errands, whether you're inside the home, outside of the home, choose for Christ. Choose 
to suffer affliction with God's people. Reject the pleasures of this world. Choose the reproach of Christ. And do that by faith. Live by faith. With your spiritual eye on the reward. Spiritual eye of faith. Look to the reward. And know that... When you choose to suffer affliction with the people of God, there will be that affliction. That's not a token of the displeasure of God. That's not a token of the wrath of God. But we know, as the Word of God says, that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Look for that glory. Live for that glory. And then say to Egypt, you can have all your treasures, all your gold, all your silver, all those sinful pleasures. I don't want them. I reject Egypt. I cast my lot with the people of God. Give me Jesus Christ, both now and evermore. Amen. Let us pray. Father, which art in heaven, we thank thee for thy word. We thank thee that thou art faithful in giving us a Savior and faithful in holding us up all our lives long as we suffer affliction with the people of God, as we walk along that straight and narrow, difficult, and painful as it is from an earthly point of view, and yet at the same time knowing that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and that we are, we are rich in him. We are thankful for that reproach of Christ, that we may have that honor and that privilege to bear his name among men, to confess that we belong to him, and that There is nothing but nothing in this world that can tear us from his embrace of us. Keep us in all our way. Bless us in the remainder of this Sabbath day that even in these evening hours, we would keep this Sabbath day holy to the glory of thy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.